0: reading today is Philippians 3, 8 through 14. More than that, I regard everything as a loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for bringing us here together as one body in your name, God. We pray that all might leave here encouraged by your words and your promises, Lord God, that you keep, Lord. You haven't left any of us alone. You walk beside us in each and every battle that we face and you're fighting whenever we are too weary to fight. We pray, Lord God, that your strength would become in our weakness, Lord God, that your grace is sufficient. And I pray, God, that everyone here would be reminded, Lord, that in you we find our rest, in you we find our peace, and in you we find our strength. Lord, may each person be reminded that they are loved, that they are yours, Lord, that you hold everything together, including their hearts, Lord. I pray that they would just um, go forward in your strength and in your name. Amen.
1: He is
2: Thank you, Our faith as a congregation has found a resting place, not in device nor creed. We trust the everlasting one. His wounds for us shall plead. We need no other argument. We need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died, that he died for you and me. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us. Now an expression of our faith is in giving of our tithes and offerings. We ask that you bless them in his name. Amen. We have been treated to some beautiful music today, haven't we? Years ago ago, the Florida State football team recruited a place kicker named Scott Brantley. Uh, Brantley lived in Colorado at the time and was considered to be the number one ranked high school place kicker in all of the country. According to a report in Sports Illustrated, one of the Florida State coaches asked Brantley how he would react in the biggest game of the year if on the opening kickoff against Miami, the only player they sent out onto the field was himself, leaving all the other 10 players on the sidelines. So Brantley thought about that for a moment and then he replied, if I couldn't kick it out of the end zone, I'd make the tackle. Now that's determination, isn't it? If he If he was the only player on the field, he would try to kick it out of the end end zone. But if he couldn't do that, he would go against the entire Miami football team and make the tackle. It kind of reminds me of the old story told about the great halfback, George Cafago. George was the star of the University of Tennessee football team, and he was also a standout, standout player in the early days of professional football. Playing for the old Brooklyn Dodgers against the New York Giants, Cafago practically carried the team by himself. And just before the half ended, he broke away over the left tackle, and first one man hit him and then another, but Cafico just kept on going. And then finally, about five Giants ganged up on him, and he still plowed toward the goal line, And at last he started down just as the timer's gun exploded and a spectator shouted, My gosh, they had to shoot him to stop him. (laughs) My friends, that's determination. The Apostle Paul had that kind of determination as well, didn't he? Listen to his words. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. I consider everything I have as rubbish so that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. I want to know Christ And the power of His resurrection. And the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings. Becoming like Him in His death. Also to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. Listen to this. But I press on. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of this, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There it is, folks. Determination. I press on toward the goal. Could anybody stop Paul from serving Christ except by shooting him or crucifying him? I mean, even throwing him in prison did not stop him. He witnessed to the jailers. Beating him did not stop him. Ridiculing him did not stop him. In fact, only death would ever silence his voice and even then it called out from the grave as a martyred saint which made it all that much more powerful. I press towards the mark. I struggle for the goal. If I'm the only player on the field, I'll kick it out of the end zone or I'll make the tackle. My friends, a person with that kind of determination is going to succeed at whatever he or she tries to do. So what is it with all this determination? What what caused Paul to be so determined in what he was doing? Well, I believe that there are three keys to this kind of determination. And here's an an alliteration for you. I don't use that very often, but I do sometimes. Here's an alliteration for you. The three keys for that kind of determination. Focus. Focus. Forgetting and faith. Focus, forgetting, and faith. Notice first of all that Paul was able to focus on what really matters. I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of this. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me, I strain toward what is ahead and I press on towards the goal. To win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There was only one thing that mattered to the Apostle Paul. And that was to live for his Savior, Jesus Christ. That was his focus. And focus is essential if we're going to succeed in anything that we do. For any worthwhile endeavor that, that we attempt focus is absolutely necessary if we are to be successful business speaker mark sanborn in his book titled you don't need a title to be a leader he tells about a friend of his named bill who lives outside of kalamazoo michigan seems that that several years ago bill bought a new home on the edge of a lush wooded area and and bill likes to feed the birds he likes to to bird watch and so he put up Uh, a bird feeder in his backyard soon after he moved in however before the sun set that evening the squirrels were swinging off of the bird feeder and chasing all the birds away any of you ever had this problem I I fight squirrels all the time outside of my window and I I really want to get a squirt gun to, to chase them away But this is what happened. The squirrels were swinging off of his bird feeder, chasing all the squirrels away. And so Bill realized he had to do something about this or all the birds would soon be too scared to come near the bird feeder. And so for the next two weeks, he declared war on squirrels. And Bill's not a mean person. He wouldn't do anything to to hurt the squirrels, but he was willing to use any peaceful means necessary to keep those squirrels out of the bird feeder. He tried greasing the pole that the bird feeder was on, but that didn't work. And so Bill visited his local hardware store and bought a squirrel-proof feeder. <laughs> An odd-looking feeder with a wire mesh. This isn't the one he bought. The one he bought had a wire mesh wrapped around it. And, and it, 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 the label said it was guaranteed To keep the squirrels out. So Bill took it home and he put it up in his backyard. But by sunset that evening, the squirrels were once again swinging off of the bird feeder. Well, now Bill was really upset. So the next day he went and took his squirrel-proof bird feeder back to the hardware store. And he asked to see the manager and demanded his money back. Well, the manager gladly gave him a refund. But he told them, he told him, I could have told you when you bought that that there's no such thing as a squirrel-proof bird feeder. Well, Bill, Bill looked at him at disbelief and he said, You mean, you mean to tell me that we can land a man on the moon and we can send instantaneous messages via satellite to anywhere around the world but our best and brightest scientists and engineers can't design a bird feeder that can outsmart an animal with the brain the size of a pea? And the manager said, yep. (laughs) And Bill persisted, why not? So the man said, let me ask you something how much time on average have you spent in the last two weeks trying to keep those squirrels out of your bird feeder? So Bill thought about it for a few minutes and for a few moments, and he said, yeah, probably about 10 or 15 minutes a day. Then the man said, and how much time do you think the squirrels spend each day trying to get in? The answer, Bill learned, is almost every waking squirrel hour. Squirrels spend 98% of their waking hours looking for food. And Sanborn says that the moral of this story is this. Focus and determination will beat brains and intellect every time. To be successful at anything you do, you need to be focused on what is important. Just ask any athlete about the importance of focus. How many of you watched the Olympics in Vancouver just two or three weeks ago? One of the things that that really struck me was the, the focus of those athletes. While waiting their turn to to ski down the hill or or sled down the track, I would often see them off to the side. And they would have their eyes closed. And they were literally running every inch of the track, every inch of the course in their head. It was critical to their success. You know what? It's also critical to the disciple of Jesus Christ focus you know most of us have never really settled in our own mind that serving christ is the most important single thing that we can do but paul had that piece of business already settled in his mind he says i consider everything as loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing jesus christ my lord Paul stayed focused on what really mattered. But notice that Paul also was able to forget what needed to be forgotten. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of this. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal. You see that? Neither the present nor the past would cause Paul to stumble. And the fact is that some people cannot be successful in what they do here in the present because they're still living in the past. Pastor and author James Moore was in a workshop one summer at Lake Junaluska in North Carolina, a beautiful place, The leader of the workshop was a nationally known writer and church consultant, Lyle Schaller. One morning, Schaller put before the group this fascinating question. He asked, what is the single most powerful influence in any decision-making process? That's the question he asked. What is the most, what is the single most powerful influence in any decision-making process? For example, he said, if you're in a group trying to make a decision about something or trying to plan an event or a course of action, what's the most powerful influence in the room? Well, after the group discussed this question for a while, Schaller finally gave them the, his answer, and he said, there's no question about it. The most powerful influence in any decision making process is the past. The past. And you know he's right. I've noticed that in church committees, when we get together to plan any event or activity, the initial thought is well, what have we done before? And a part of that is logical because it's a desire not to reinvent the wheel. If you've done it well before and and it's worked, then uh, you can build on that. But, you know, sometimes churches are, are haunted by their past. And sometimes we're stuck in our past. and We say, well, we tried that once, but it didn't work very well. Or we say, but we've never done it that way before. You know, I'm convinced that one of the reasons that churches are declining at such a rapid pace these days is because, by and large, many churches are institutions of tradition. And as such, many churches are out of touch with what's really going on in the lives and in the minds of the people living out there in the real world. Now, Paul had a history, didn't he? He had been a loyal Jew, a Pharisee, so loyal to his faith, in fact, that, that he even persecuted the first Christians. He was a part of the mob that stoned Stephen to death, that, the first Christian martyr. But then Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he became a follower of Christ. And, and not too surprisingly, the church at first rejected him. They were afraid of him. They were afraid this was some kind of a trick. But then after they finally accepted Paul into the church, he himself found himself the object of persecution by his fellow Jews and also by his fellow Roman citizens. There was a lot that Paul had to had to get past to be successful in his ministry. There were many emotions, guilt and anger and fear associated with his earlier experiences he needed to let go of if he could serve Christ effectively. So what did he do? Forgetting what lies behind, he strained forward to what lies ahead. He forgot those things so that he could move forward. Futurist Faith Popcorn tells about a new guiding principle in sociology called the second chance theory. And according to this sociological hypothesis, one of the most important differences between the children of the underclass and children of middle class and and upper class is that more fortunate children are invariably granted second chances. She says... If a kid from the inner city is arrested for shoplifting or drunk driving or smoking a joint, it's just about impossible for that kid to bounce back. But if a kid with assets and with influence goes astray, an armada of lawyers and psychologists come in to help. And based on this theory, she predicts that in the future, a number of nonprofit groups will emerge to take on the challenge of giving deserving kids of all economic groups. A second chance. You know God. Is a God of second chances. It, Paul worshiped a God who always grants second chances. And that's why Paul could say. But one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind me. Forgetting those things that. I need to lay to rest, forgetting those things that haunt me and hinder my progress, forgetting those things and straining toward what is ahead. I press on to this goal. Paul focused on the things that really mattered. And he forgot about those things in his life that might hold him back. And finally, one more thing. I want you to notice Paul's faith. I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul believed the gospel. Paul believed that his life had meaning and purpose. Paul believed that his work was not in vain. He believed that through Christ he could do all things. And you and I want to believe those things as well, don't we? We want to believe in a loving God who watches over us and provides for our every need. But sometimes life is very hard, isn't it? And frankly, sometimes it's hard to believe, especially when we're dealing with hardship in our lives, especially when we are surrounded by darkness. And, and there may be a darkness covering your life right now. You may be facing problems in your marriage or your family or... Your health or finances. Paul knew what it was like to go through trying times in his life. But as a matter of fact, listen as he writes about some of his experiences in 2 Corinthians. He said, they say they serve Christ, but I've served him more. He said, I have worked harder. Listen to this, folks. I've been put in jail more often. I've been whipped I have faced death again and again and again. Five different times the Jews gave me their terrible 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I was in the open sea all night and the whole next day. I have traveled many weary miles and have often been in great danger from flooded rivers and from robbers and from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the hands of the Gentiles. I have faced grave dangers from mobs in the cities and from death on the deserts and from stormy seas and from men who claim to be brothers in Christ but are not. I have lived with weariness and pain and sleepless nights. Often I have been hungry and thirsty. I've gone without food and I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Do You see that? Paul knew what it was like to face personal adversity. And most people would have turned back if they had faced even a smidgen of what Paul had faced While serving his Lord. But Paul. Kept. Pressing. Onward. And how did he do it? Focus. Forgetting. And faith. He knew that Christ was with him. And so he was. He was able to hang on. And so can you. Just a. A few feet at a time, like the the football halfback with the opposing players hanging all over him, you just keep plugging away towards the goal line. Paul could not be stopped because of his faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, he wrote, I live, but not me. Rather, Christ Jesus lives within me. Pressing towards the mark. Struggling towards the goal line. You'll have to shoot me to stop me. Not giving up in the face of any obstacle. Out of that kind of persistence, my friends. Purposeful lives are made. And so today I ask the question. Can you forget those things in your life that are holding you back? Can you focus your faith. In Jesus Christ and the goal that Christ has set before you. Can you truly believe that God has put you here for a reason. And will never ever abandon you. God loves you more than anything else in the world. And God wants to be your number one priority. That's why Jesus Christ died for you. Amen. We have come to that portion of our service where we will observe the ordinance of the Lord's Supper communion. Um, And if you are a person for whom Christ died, then you are welcome and encouraged to share this time of communion with Christ. And that means all of us because we are all persons for whom Jesus Christ died. We are in the midst of our Lenten season. And this is a season where we kind of follow the journey of Christ to Jerusalem, to the time of his crucifixion and his resurrection. It is a time of focusing on the cross of Christ. And so I think it's very appropriate at this time of the year that we observe this Lord's Supper and remember what it means. In the Gospel of Luke, it says, When the hour came, he took his place at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom kingdom of God. The Passover meal represented the Passover lamb being slaughtered for atonement, to give forgiveness for people, people's sins. In the Old Testament, in some of the prophets, as they looked ahead towards the Messiah, they called Messiah the Lamb. They said that he came to his suffering like a lamb who came to slaughter. And that's what Jesus is. Is the Lamb of God. We've been studying in Revelation about the Lamb of God. Who is Jesus. Who laid down his life willingly and gave it for us so that we may have eternal life. That's what we need to focus on. I've been talking a lot about focus today. That's what we need to focus on as we take this Lord's Supper together today. We need to focus on. On the cross of Christ. We need to focus on the Lamb of God that was slaughtered on our behalf. Kirk mentioned a little while ago it, is, it was Jesus Christ who, who was placed upon that cross. Not that one, but one very much like it, much bigger. And nails were driven through his hands and through his feet. crown of thorns was pressed down upon his head a spear was thrust into his side that's a lot but you know what that shows the love of God for each of us and so as we focus on that cross as we focus on the bread and the fruit of the vine that represents the body and the blood of Christ. Let us remember the great love that God has for each of us. After they ate together, also he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of a new covenant, a new thing I am doing for you today. Because of the blood that is shed here, you have life eternal and life abundant. Take and drink. God's spirit is in this place. Thanks be to God.